this is an official warning. You have no rights, and there is no law. How did an entire generation become woke AF? How did every school in America become a Marxist communist indoctrination center? And have you ever heard of Paolo Freire? Well, hello world, I am Alexander C. Baker, and I had never heard of Paolo Freire either. It is uh, March 3rd, 2024. Today on Freedom Enough, number 60, how uh, this guy, Paolo Freire, made every school a Marxist communist indoctrination center. So I've recently read a trio of books by uh, this guy, James Lindsay. Uh, one was called Cynical Theories. That's kind of a play on critical theories. Another book, Race Marxism, which is all about uh, critical race theory. And the one I'm really going to talk about today is called The Marxification of Education, which is subtitled Paulo Freire's Cultural Marxism and the Theft of Education. Uh, if you want to understand how a generation of young minds have now been thoroughly indoctrinated with this victim mentality and seeing absolutely everything in society as a struggle between the oppressors and the oppressed, I highly suggest James Lindsay's uh, book and, and, and his work. He's, he's got a, a, a website and called New Discourses and, um, uh, and a, a bunch of books that he's written. So first, before we get into what is actually going to be like a book report, I think, on this, uh, this Paolo Freire and his book, uh, the, uh, the Marxification of Education, a little bit about James Lindsay himself. This is from that Paragon of Truth Wikipedia. Uh, so James Stephen Lindsay, known as James A. Lindsay, is an American author. He is known for the Grievance Studies Affair. <laughs> If you haven't heard of this, I had missed this somehow. This is a few years ago now, and somehow I had missed it, but uh, I haven't missed it now, and it's it's brilliant. Uh, the Grievance Studies Affair, in which he, Lindsay, and uh, Peter Bogosian and Helen Pluckrose submitted hoax articles to academic journals in like 2017, 2018, to test scholarship and rigor in several academic fields. Um. <laughs> This is uh, this is great. Let me scroll down. Okay, yeah, the the grievance studies affair in 2017, Lindsay and Bogosian published a hoax paper titled, get this, the conceptual penis as a social construct. <laughs> in writing the paper, Lindsay and Bogosian intended to imitate the style of post-structuralist discursive gender theory. <laughs> whatever the hell that means. Right? The paper argued that the penis should be seen not as an anatomical organ, no, no, but as a social construct, isomorphic to the performative toxic masculinity. <laughs> okay. After the paper was rejected by Norma, they later submitted it to uh, a, uh, a uh, journal called Cogent Social Sciences, 
where it was accepted for publication. Okay. And all in all, uh, they submitted like over 20 hoax papers. It was the same kind of thing. In fact, I think they were the people, if I remember correctly, uh, uh, James Lindsay and his crew, who basically wrote a paper that was like a rewrite of Mein Kampf. Okay, and they just kind of modernized the language a little bit here and there, and they got that published. Okay, so uh, yeah, this is, and of course, the point is that, um, yeah, what they're calling like a lack of academic standards is what, you know, we all know that a lot of academia is just bullshit. Okay, they're just publishing nonsense, and well, today we're going to get into what's really behind it and it is surprise surprise it's communism okay they've renamed it over and over again but it's marxism and it's communism and academia and the entire school system not only colleges and universities but right on down high school middle school grade school has all been taken over by communist ideology and not just teaching like Marxism as, as a thing, right? This is what Marx thought, and that these were his writings, and this is what he believed. No, 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 no. What we're going to learn today through Lindsay's work is that this Paolo Freire guy was successful in changing the entire theory of education, right? Which is a theory of education is called pedagogy, just a fancy word, but it means the methods by which we actually teach, okay? By which we educate children. And, um, and the entire method has now been changed to, to be Marxist. Again, not teaching what Marxism is or was, but actually making the process of education into a Marxist indoctrination system. So it's, it's very interesting. It's frightening. It's terrifying, but very, very uh, interesting. I want to digress just a little bit, however, uh, before we get into this. And uh, because I was uh, inspired and... Uh, uh, by by Lindsay's hoax papers, right? The what is it? The 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 post constructive penis or whatever the name of his paper was, because it reminded me of a hoax that I did uh, some years ago. So back in two thousand six, two thousand seven, right in that time period, I was very active in researching nine eleven, and of course, nine eleven was an inside job. Uh, if you're not aware. I mean, if you if you look at the images that are playing behind me right now, and you see anything other than uh, two of the largest, strongest, most flexible steel frame skyscrapers ever built, being blown to kingdom come. If you see anything else besides that, uh, there may be no hope for you whatsoever. A, a reasonable debate. To this day about 9-11 is exactly what type of explosives were used to uh, render the Twin Towers into like a, a almost microscopic fine powder. Right? It takes a ridiculous, almost unimaginable amount of energy 
to accomplish that. So I believe the evidence was overwhelming for nuclear reactions on 9-11. But again, I, I think it's it's a reasonable debate to, to wonder what sorts of uh, explosives were actually used. But on to my hoax. So during that time, around 2007, I was very active in editing Wikipedia, as were a number of other people in the, the so-called 9-11 truth movement. And we wanted to edit the then pretty new article about the collapse, quote-unquote, of the, the World Trade Center. Now, um, the word collapse is uh, itself a, a mind control word because... It was it was nothing like a collapse. It was definitely uh, an annihilation uh, of the steel and and concrete towers. But we were editing uh, very very actively, trying to get. 9-11 truth material into this Wikipedia article. And we were citing 9-11 truth sites, websites like uh, uh, Jim Hoffman's website and citing the work of Stephen Jones and Scholars for 9-11 Truth, uh, of which I was a member, and other, other sites. And, and of course, uh, the, the government guys and the spooks were just as active, more active, in editing those same articles. And no sooner had we put a, a, even a small edit into the article, it would be reverted or it would be modified. And I'm talking in 30 seconds, maybe one minute, the edits, uh, our edits, would be deleted as, uh, 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 what is it, an uh, uh, unreliable source, right? That's one of the rules on Wikipedia, is everything has to uh, be uh, cited to a reliable source. Well, what's a reliable source? Well, that's easy. It's whatever the hell we say it is, right? And it's what and and it's not what we say it's not. Okay. So, but our edits were staying up for 30 seconds, 1 minute like max. Big edit wars going on. So, I decided to play a little hoax. I made a new account at Wikipedia and my sock puppet name was Engineer Ed. And Engineer Ed posted a, an edit to this Collapse of the World Trade Center article that said that in, back in like 1985, there was the Fuji Towers collapse in Houston, Texas. Okay, and <laughs> I just completely made this up. There were never any Fuji Towers in Houston, Texas. And what I said as Engineer Ed was that there was a small fire on the construction site and these the steel frame tower completely collapsed and that in the in the rubble there was molten metal that persisted for weeks right you know just like it at 9-11 right we've got <laughs> freaking molten steel like three weeks after yeah that's a collapse right but i said this how all the similar thing happened at the fuji towers that i made up Right, uh, in, in 1985 in Houston, Texas. Well, my edit as Engineer Ed stayed on Wikipedia for like a month. A month. Okay, eventually somebody caught on and was like, hey, wait a minute. Uh, and and I, by the way, I had no source whatsoever. I didn't link to anything. No source. They just completely made it up. And it stayed 
in the Wikipedia article for a month. Uh, so I had made my point, and I eventually, of course, got banned, or I can't remember exactly, but you know, I, I made I made my point. Okay, if truthers had put up an edit, whether it's sourced to anything or not, they were getting deleted in 30 seconds to one minute max, right? And this stayed up for a month. Okay, so I'm a big fan of like hoax publications. So yeah, love James Lindsay for his, uh, you know, post-constructionist penis as a social construct paper uh, that got published and taken seriously and when it was all nonsense. And um, now, I mean, I will say, um, James Lindsay's not all the way there to being a voluntarist. And, uh, but I'm going to go through this educational stuff because I, I just found it very, very fascinating and very, very illuminating, uh, to say the least, to learn about just how our educational system has been turned into a Marxist indoctrination idea, right? Or just a, just a system of it, right? So, first, I think I'll just play a little clip from the audiobook, just a, 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 just a few seconds from the, uh, from the introduction. So, here's Lindsay actually in his own voice reading the, a little piece of the introduction to the Marxification of education. Let's check it out. One, introduction, the theft of education. Much of the theory and practice of education, pedagogy, employed today in North American schools is derived directly with certain contextual updates and modifications from the work of a Brazilian Marxist radical by the name of Paulo Freire. While Freire isn't exactly a household name in the United States, he is a household name and figure of educational legend in all North American colleges of education. So is his approach, which is called critical pedagogy, or critical education theory. In colleges of education throughout North America, in fact, Freire is revered, and his work is considered virtually sacrosanct. It has accordingly been incredibly influential. Because of his incredible sway in North American colleges of education, Paulo Freire is recognized as the third most cited scholarly author in all of the humanities and social sciences by authoritative metrics. It exaggerates none at all to say that Paulo Freire is at the theoretical center of everything happening in colleges of education today, hmm. and from there, our nation's schools. So, wow, right? Third most cited author in this entire field. Uh, that's pretty astonishing when you think about how many published authors there are out there. So, this guy, it turns out, Paolo Freire, was successful. When did he live? He was born back in 1921, died in 1997. But we're, by the 1990s, by the mid-1990s, his theory, his, his Freirean theory of education had been embedded basically in every school in America and throughout the America throughout the, the western hemisphere and uh so let's learn about what, what what this is because i think it really explains how wokeism uh whatever you want to call it has 
taken hold. Um, literally, the people that are under 30, you know, 20-somethings today have never known a world without Freirean schools and education. This stuff has been implanted into their minds since the day uh, that, that they were born, right? So, that's uh, his chapter two in this book, and we are talking about the Marxification of education. It's chapter two is called Who Was Paolo Freire? And he just mentioned third most cited. So, Freire's... Um, main work he has a few, he wrote a lot of books but his main one that was so influential was called pedagogy of the oppressed now pedagogy that's just a fancy word and there's a, a number of like big words that we have to get our head around i'll try as best i can to break it down make it simple uh but pedagogy is just a word that means a, th- a theory of education Okay, this is going to be your your pedagogy is the method by which you teach people, right? Give them give them some learning, some reading, writing, and arithmetic, all right? Uh, but pedagogy of the oppressed, okay? And the idea fundamentally is to re-educate, to to change the thinking pattern of children and therefore adults that they grow into into seeing everything from the standpoint of the oppressed, okay? And, of course, this is exactly Marxism, right? And Marx hit on this idea of casting everything as the rich against the poor, basically, the the bourgeois against the proletariat. And... um, and most people can be persuaded that they're not in the ruling class, they're not in the 1%, right? And so, you are the oppressed, and these are the oppressors. And actually, before I go on, and before I forget, I do want to mention a great point that I learned from Hans Hermann Hoppe in a series of his lectures, and that is to point out that Marx was correct in one very important sense. And this leads to the appeal of Marxism. It, 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 it helps us understand how it is that people can be so tricked, so fooled into thinking that Marxism is anything besides pure evil. The part that Marx got correct is his history. Essentially, essentially, right? Marx did both history and economics combined into his political theory. And his idea of history is that all of history is just one long continuous story of the oppressors dominating and controlling and exploiting the oppressed. And he's right. It is. There has always and still is a ruling class that that screws everybody over, and they end up with all of the resources and and vast wealth, and most everybody else ends up with very little. And that's actually true. Where Marx, of course, got it completely wrong is in blaming what he called capitalism, right? Both communism and capitalism, I believe, were terms that Marx made up. 
And so he sort of mischaracterized the free market as capitalism, and, and he had the theor- labor theory of value and all this other uh, just wrong nonsense. And instead of correctly understanding that allowing people to produce and be free and to have private property, to be able for private citizens to own land and to own the product of their own labor, the things, the goods that they actually produce, is absolutely essential to creating a a productive society where uh, people can actually rise out of the abject poverty that was nature, okay, um, in nature, without producing, without a, a, an economy, we're, we're dirt poor, okay, just like animals, right? Hunter-gatherers are, are animals that are, that are poor, okay. So, but private property is essential to that, and so where Marx got it completely wrong if, if you assume that he's trying to make things better, it's wrong. That is, he, he, his entire theory led to an attack on private property. In fact, they said, uh, Marx and Engels said, if we were to sum up the communist theory in one sentence, it is to abolish private property. And of course, that's completely wrong, completely evil. But it's important to just keep in the back of our minds that the, his summary of history was essentially correct, right? He just he's he's got the right story of oppressors and the oppressed, but he's he's fingering the wrong villain, right? In his world, the villain is freedom and capitalism and private property, and no, the villain is government. Okay, the the villain is the idea that we should have a ruling class at all. Uh, so. All right, so pedagogy of the oppressed, that is Freire's, uh, that's his magnum opus. He has this idea, idea Freire does, what he calls the, the banking model of education. So he's going to come along and criticize how we do education now. And he says that how, how we do it now, the current system views children as like a, a, a bank account that's empty. There's nothing in there. And we have all of this uh, knowledge and all of these ideas and all this history and all these things. We've got math and science and, and subjects to fill up these empty vessels, these children, and like, a, like loading up a bank account, whatever. Okay, And we're going to fill them up with all these ideas. The problem, according to Freire, is that when you take the existing system and the existing ideas, right, and the, the all these existing this existing knowledge, and you just force feed it into the children, well, then they're going to grow up to simply recreate the exact same society that we already have. Okay, they they named it like the 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 problem of of reproduction or some such nonsense, and, but because we we hate the existing society, and it's all wrong and it's all bad. The last thing in the world we want to do is just uh, teach the children to recreate it, right? So that that was one of his main ideas that he brought to the table, right? It, it, the, the current system is bad because it just perpetuates the existing oppression. All right, so... Uh, 
the chapter three is in this is in Lindsay's book, the Marxification of Education. Let's see, do I have a do I have a graphic here of this? I don't know if I do. Uh, maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, here's there's the Marxification of Education. Chapter three is called the Marxification of Education. And here's the important point from this chapter is to understand that Freire's method actually Marxified education itself. Okay? It turned education itself into a Marxist theory. In other words, he's not teaching now, but they're not teaching in school about Marx and his ideas. Okay? In the, in the same way, I mean, we could learn <clears throat> we could learn about Karl Marx and he had these ideas about capital and and that uh, uh, that uh, uh, that profit was just surplus that was on the backs of the workers and it's really unfair and all of this. Um, in the same way that we could learn about Thomas Jefferson's ideas or or John Locke's ideas or Lysander Spooner or whatever, right? No, 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 no. They're not teaching you about Marx's ideas. It's not that. They are imposing a system where regardless of the subject, right, whether it's math or science or history or art, uh, the idea is to take every opportunity to generate negative emotions into the child, right? Sadness, anger, frustration, confusion, by discussing some uh, like tangential aspect of the subject at hand first, right? Um, and then they identify some victim in this story, right? And ask the child how they would feel if they were that person. So, like, let me give you an example. Um, we all remember like story problems, I think, right? Like in, in math, they would give you something like, um, you know, a mom and dad and the kid are driving, they have to drive 70 miles to get to the state fair, okay? Now, if, it, if they're going an average of 35 miles an hour and they've been traveling for 26 minutes, you know, how long before they reach the state fair, right? And then you're, you can set up a little algebra equation and you can do the division and you can figure that out, all right? But nowadays, they'll still give you that kind of a problem, but before you get to the math, right, they'll start asking questions like, um, um, you know, how much do you think it might cost to go have a good time at the state fair. And what about all the children whose parents can't afford to, to go to the state fair? Either they don't have the money for the, the tickets or the, the gasoline. It might take a lot of gas to get there. And oh, well, let's worry about the environment, right? If we're putting you know carbon dioxide into the air or whatever. But you know, what about the poor kids? You know, they can't even afford to, to go to this. And where did the tradition and the idea of saying that, you know, some people go to the, get to go to these elite events where they have a good time, but some people don't? And where did the whole idea come from? And then it's like, well, how would you feel? How would you feel if you knew your, your, your friend got to go to the state fair, but you didn't? You didn't get to go. 
And how would you feel about that? And of course, oh, I'd feel very sad, or I might be angry. And they're encouraging uh, all this resentment, right? And all this class struggle. And that's how they, that's how it starts. And it's not math, history, any subject whatsoever, they can start these dialogues, right? So, uh, the uh, dialogistic or something is a, a word that Freire made up. And, um, and this is, this is the approach, right? The approach is not just to, to teach kids how to do math. No, nope. It's to engage them first in dialogue about whatever subject comes up, okay? And then to try to steer the conversation, to steer the story towards some kind of a class conflict. Of course, now back in Marx's day, it was just really rich against the poor, right? Now we still have that, obviously, but now it's also, it's the blacks against the whites. It's the straights against the gays. It's men against women. Uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, don't you, you know, aren't you transphobic if you don't think that, 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 you know, putting puberty blockers in an 11-year-old is like a really good idea. You're transphobic and and all of this, right? And and anything else that they can think of to to make you first identify as belonging to some group, some class, and to make you uh, believe that you are a victim in some way. And it's so insidious because people, and I know this is particularly a phenomenon among you know, like teenage white people. Okay, and, and in particular, for some reason, white girls, but also white boys. Well, they've been told now their whole lives that white is bad. Okay, you are you are slavers, you're oppressors, right? White people are uniquely evil in every way, and basically, the um, the fact that uh, people of color or BIPOCs or whatever we're supposed to call now, right? The fact that they don't have equal outcome in whatever. It's, it's your fault, white person. It's the fault of all of you uh, white people because systemic racism, don't you know? Okay? And then, so you're already feeling bad, Right, you're feeling guilty and ashamed, and it's like, oh yeah, why? You know, I, I live in a nice like middle class house, but you know, it was it was built on the backs of slaves or whatever you want to believe. And so I feel bad, and I'm 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 an adolescent, let's say, I'm uh, maybe a teenager, and I'm already I'm hormonal, I'm confused, all this stuff, and then something comes along where I can be in a victim group, ha. It's like the bell goes off, right? The light bulb shines. Yeah. I now I, I don't just have to be an, a, a a a white person. Now I can be a white trans person. Now I'm a victim because everybody else out there's transphobic. You see how this works? Uh, now I can fit in, and so so an entire generation. And I'm sure it's been going on longer, but because of this Paolo Freire character. And this pedagogy that he implemented in, in the school system over a series of, of decades, right? They started by infiltrating the colleges of education, right? Where they teach teachers, okay? 
but they successfully brainwashed and indoctrinated a whole generation of teachers. Now, by like the mid-1990s, all of the teachers in all of the schools are now free Aryans, which means they're Marxists, which means they're, they're communists, right? So, yeah, teaching an entire victim culture is kind of where it's coming from. So, his chapter four was, uh, it's called uh, Preparing the Cultural Revolution. Uh, and this chapter four talks about how this Freyarianism, uh, first of all, why it's employed and why it works, okay? It works towards the overall goal of... Of a, of a Marxist utopia, right? Of course, it does not work at all to educate children. But one of the points that Lindsay makes, very convincingly in my view, is that education is not, that's not the goal, right? And, and I mean, I say almost every week, I'm talking about how before you decide whether something was successful or it was a failure, you got to first take a step back and go, what, what really was the goal, right? So, you know, I would say that, you know, people often talk about how, uh, you know, the Soviet Union was uh, such a failure and, and all of these, you know, uh, East Germany versus West Germany, right? And how uh, West Germany uh, ha had such a more productive economy and wasn't it a, a great failure uh, in East Germany? Well, yeah, if your goal is is peace and prosperity, yeah, it was a great failure. But what if that wasn't really the goal? Okay. And uh, so, the goal really of this uh, Paolo Freirean educational system is to radicalize, to teach an entire generation and multiple generations of people to basically want to tear down everything about society, to relentlessly criticize everything. And of course, this, this runs into um, uh, the, the, the Frankfurt School. This is what it was all about. This is, I also refer everybody to Kevin McDonald's work, right, in, in, including the culture of critique. That's where that title came from, was that McDonald researched and documented extensively how they infiltrated the academics, and by relentlessly criticizing everything, accepting nothing, they just created this entire culture uh, of this. And, and free area is just an extension um, of that, right? So the, the real goal then uh, of freearianism is not to teach, it's not to have children who grow up to understand science or math or to learn correct history or to appreciate art or, or music or to even be able to read and write, to be literate, to even be able to, to, be able to communicate with language effectively. That, that used to be the goal of education, but not anymore. That's not what they're up to. What they are up to is to make everybody into an angry radical. Now, um, I, I, I don't know if I'll get a chance to talk about this, but this is really kind of difficult ground because I could describe myself 
as an angry radical. Okay, just to hold on to that because uh, there's, there's got to be a difference because I'm a voluntarist and voluntarism is correct. This is the right way to address the problem. And I am most certainly not a communist uh, or a socialist or a totalitarian or anything. The problem is government, right? But, um, all right, uh, point made there. <clears throat> the, the goal of this Freerian system, okay, is to create in the mind of the child conscientia, I've got to make sure I say this stupid word right, uh, conscientization. I, I still didn't say that right, and I don't care, because I'll tell you what it, what it means, right? It, it means uh, to become conscious of the Marxist way of thinking, okay? I'll try, maybe I'll try it one more time. Conscientization. Yeah, that's it. Conscientization. It means that it's the process of making you think like a Marxist. And what it means is you see your own situation at, in the context of oppressors and oppressed, right? That, no matter what. And this is how they do this, right? That's what that word means is conscientization. <laughs> I, I don't. I'm glad I can't pronounce it. I'm. I'm. I'm delighted that because I, you know, <sighs> stuff. It's it. It's it's kind of curious, right? All right. Yeah. It is just a fancy word. It means adopting to the Marxist approach to everything, <clears throat> and critical to this approach is through this, this dialoguing procedure on every subject, they force the child to take sides. Okay, they're politicizing everything in young children and, and right straight on up. They're forcing the child to take sides uh, in all this, and they're using emotional manipulation. So, chapter five is called Conscientization. And, uh, yeah, it is bringing the child to Marx's consciousness of their own circumstance, of their own circumstance. And there's basically three steps in this process that they will use in the school to achieve this, this mindset in the child. So, the first step is identify the context of the learner to discover generative themes. All right. So, first of all, they, it's not student anymore. You're the learner. Okay. And it's not teacher anymore. Uh, what do they call that? The, um, I, I don't know. Maybe it'll come back to me. Um, but it is to identify the context of this child to discover Generative themes. What is that? Okay, so generative is the term they made up to mean we're going to have you think of ideas of how things make you feel, right? It's to generate feelings, especially negative feelings, sadness and frustration and anger and humiliation and confusion, right? To generate those things in you. By you, child, understanding your own situation. You know, how much money do your parents have, right? Or do you even have two parents? Um, 
things like this, or any way that they can come around to getting you to see your own place in this world through these other contexts. And again, they can use art, they can use music, they can use science, they, you know, you know science. Well, you know, before we talk about what a genius uh, Isaac Newton was, you know, you know, you know, the guy who, um, uh, uh, he, as a as a young man, he wanted to stay home because his parents were afraid that he might get a, a disease. There was the 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 the, uh, uh, the epidemic of uh, one of those middle aged epidemics was going on in London, and so he just stayed home. And oh, by the way, he was bored, so he just invented calculus. Okay, um, and then he goes on to to understand a whole lot about gravity and motion and and physics and and all of this, right? But, oh, by the way, Isaac Newton was a man. And, hey, you know, where are all the women in science? Okay, well, they've been systematically oppressed, and there would be just as many genius woman scientists uh, if, if there wasn't like a system of oppression, right? This kind of stuff. Before we even talk about what Newton did, we're going to talk about why there weren't women involved or there weren't blacks or whatever, right? It doesn't matter what the subject is. You can steer the conversation towards this, right? So that anyway, that's, that's the first step is you place the child in his own context, right, to, to start feeling like a victim. And then second step, you present back to the child pictures or stories, right, that relate to the child's own context, right? And they, they give that a fancy name. They call that codifications, right? They're going to codify all this stuff to the, to the child, right? And then the third step in this conscientization is here, here's an, here's another fancy word the problematization of the context in the learner's life and then this they call decodification okay that's a bunch of you know there's a bunch of fancy you know intellectual speak but problematization it means basically whatever the hell it is we're going to present it to you as a problem and it's not just a problem out there young child. No, no, no. This is a problem that affects you. You are a victim of, of this, this, this structure, this, this, um, this, um, you know, this system, this system that oppresses you, right? And we're going to use, you know, whether it's pictures or abstract representations, whatever it is, we're going to feed back into your mind why exactly you should feel like an oppressed victim in whatever it is, right? And this is, again, it's before we ever get to like your times tables or anything that we used to actually think was stuff that people, you know, kind of needed to know um, to, to be a functioning adult. No, we're going to radicalize you. And to the point where actual education, what we used to understand as actual education, is secondary. It's, it, it's, not, it's basically irrelevant, okay? And now, uh, we've all heard stories, I, I, I don't have any to pull up, but we've all heard stories about what a failure the educational system has been. 
right? There's all kinds of stuff, I mean, for decades that have been coming out about how, you know, they're not up to grade level and they can't, you know, 50, uh, 100 years ago, people of the same age, children of the same age were miles ahead of where the children are today. Why? And what, how did we fail? Well, here's the thought I want to leave in your mind. It's not a failure. It's a success, okay? According to this guy, this Paolo Freire guy, and everybody else up in, in the ruling class, it's not a failure. It is a success, but it's a different goal. The goal is to radicalize everybody and to make you think that the solution to the problem of wealth inequality or any of these other problems that they want to problematize, right? Uh, the environment is, is uh, being ruined. Why? Capitalism, that's why. Um, the, uh, you know, women are oppressed. Why? Uh, because capitalism and private property, that's why, right? No matter what the problem is, right? They're going to say the solution is we have to get rid of private property. We have to get rid of private property. We have to expand the power of government and to, to do good, to, to rectify these, these, these inequalities, right? That's always going to be the bottom line. It's just like, just like me, uh, I will tell you uh, that no matter what the problem is, freedom is the solution, right? Government is the cause of most problems, the, the, these big problems, not the, the, the problems in your life, uh, but, but the, the, the big problems that, that lead to the problems in your life. So yeah, for me, all roads lead uh, to abolishing the government and being a voluntarist. To uh, Paolo Freire, uh, all roads lead to abolishing private property and just having a total state. Um, what's the difference? The difference is I'm right and they're wrong. Okay, um, <laughs> that's all. why because I say I'm right. No, <sighs> right. So the chapter six in uh, Lindsay's book, the Marxification of Education, is called generative themes. Okay, and that's we've already talked about that. The whole goal of how they present material to the child at, at any age is not just to teach you something, but rather to generate an emotional response within you, the learner, okay? And to use that as a jumping off point for a deeper conversation, this dialoguing about something about how bad the system is, okay? And of course, never will the conversation be allowed to go to how bad the system is because government took over everything and the ruling class is in control. And hey, let's not forget that a public education system was one of the pillars of communism, okay? Marx understood this very, very well and said, you have to have a public education system if we're ever going to achieve the, the communist utopia. And he was right. Okay, he was right. And that's why 
the results have been so fabulous from their point of view. Okay, we've got a generation of 30-year-olds now who are just woke AF, right? They just, I mean, maybe I'm going to get a chance to interview. So there's somebody in my life, I'm not going to mention names or relationships or, or whatever, but uh, this is a, a young woman, approximately 27, 28 years old, something like that. And she is very, extremely intelligent. And um, lots of great things that I could say. I would really love the chance to interview her because just to, to get inside this mind. And she has these views that are just straight, straight up communistic. Um, and like, where did this come from? And how much has she a- actually examined those ideas for what they are? Because she's so smart. I mean, and uh, so maybe, may- maybe I will. Uh, ha- maybe I'll reach out and-, and see if we can do like an anonymous interview. It would be very interesting to me. I know that. So yeah, th- that's what these generative themes are all about. Um, to generate these reactions in the child no matter what the subject, okay, no matter what, you can always generate one of these themes, right? If it's art, okay, you know, just think of something, right? Uh, whatever, it's, it's, it's the Mona Lisa, right? Well, what does her smile actually mean, you know? She's only a, has a half a smile. Is that because, you know, maybe she's hiding some abuse. She's trying to smile, but that other half of her face reveals that she's actually concealing some really horrific abuse. And hey, children, do, do you know anybody that's been abused? Okay? And, there's, and what, what does abuse really mean? Okay? Um, are, how many different types of abuse can we think of? Right? There's, you know, there's sexual abuse, there's physical abuse, there's, there's verbal abuse. There might even be kinds of abuse that you don't, you're not even aware of. You see, anything can generate this, this kind of a conversation, and that's the idea. That's not the school that I went to. I, it, they were already starting to dumb down school even when, when I was a kid. But now... This, uh, this generative themes and this codification and decodification, right? So in chapter 7, Lindsay, which is called uh, codification and decodification as a thought reform method. Okay, in this chapter, he makes the point that this method bears a striking resemblance. In fact, it is modeled after the... Maoist Chinese struggle sessions, right? Which, if you know about them, they had prisoners during, and this is during like the 1950s and 60s when the communist revolution in China under Chairman Mao uh, was um, in full force. And they would try to re educate the, the prisoners. And the idea is that you. You have to admit your crimes, uh, and you get accused of crimes, and you don't really know what the accusation even is because it's vague, but you're required to admit your crimes, and, and with the idea being that you need to see everything from the standpoint of the people, 
okay? Which it's the same thing in these schools, right? You have to see things from the standpoint of the oppressed. And you do that by first seeing yourself as being, as being oppressed, all right? This is how it works. And it, it, you know, thought reform method, that is actually the translation from the Chinese term that's sort of understandable in English. But they break you down. Okay, there's a history of this Friarian method being used in Nigeria, I believe it was. And the result was that the people they were trying to teach ended up not wanting to learn anything because why? Because they were so angry and so confused about everything. And so you and I might look at that and go, oh, well, it was a big failure. But actually, Paolo Freire and his ilk and his descendants and his ancestors would see it, of course, as a great victory because that's the whole idea. We want angry people who are, and, and fearful people, people who are afraid because they're the ones you can completely manipulate, right? Hey, you're a victim. I am your savior, right? Uh, it's, it's the old drama triangle, a perpetrator, a, a victim, right? And a rescuer, right? He, this is, you know, property. That's the perpetrator, right? You are the victim. I am here from the government. I am here to help you. I am your rescuer. It's, it's also the Hegelian dialectic, which, by the way, Freire cites unabashedly his influences. The people that he cites and he refers to in his books are Karl Marx, Hegel, okay, um, uh, uh, Fidel Castro, Che Guevara, Chairman Mao. Okay, he holds all these people up as as heroes. And of course, you know, there's a certain amount of, you know, uh, it just, you know, to the extent that those were failed experiments, it's just they didn't do it right. Now we've got it right now, right? And again, what they learned was that you have to start with the children. That's what they learned. And the experiment that's going on right now, if we raise up a whole generation, two generations, three generations, and we indoctrinate them all with this, can people forget what freedom e even was, right? So, yeah, this thought reform method, um, which Lindsay points out a, a, a different name might be uh, grooming the learner into being a Marxist. Grooming, yeah, uh, that, that, that's what it is. It, it is mind control, and I mean, you can look at how, you know, I've done several shows about this Asaf Orr, the attorney from California who gives lectures to other attorneys in family law cases about transgender and how, first of all, we're, we're always going to take the child away from the parent who opposes transgendering the child and give the child to the parent, the crazy parent who wants to transgender the child. And this Asaf Orr attorney teaches these other attorneys how to make sure 
that that happens, how you win in court. But he's there saying that children from three to five years old know their gender identity, right? Some as, as young as 18 months, okay? And of course, the idea is to teach these young children you're a victim, okay? Not only are you really a girl on the inside, even though you were born a boy, but, but, but dad doesn't understand you. Dad is victimizing you. The whole society doesn't understand you. Okay, so you're a victim. They're all transphobic. You see, you see how this all connects together in one plan. And the plan, of course, from 1848 and Karl Marx is we need to take people who are born free and who want freedom and who naturally hate and don't need a ruler to lord over them. They don't want that. And if we, we let them go to adulthood before we try to convince them that they do, they do so need a ruler, of course you do, right? Well, that's too late. Now we got to get them as children. We have to get them as children. And that is exactly what they're doing. And this Paolo Freire guy, I didn't, I didn't know who he was, but I, I do now. And so hats off to James Lindsay. Again, uh, I think Lindsay himself should, uh, if, if I ever could talk to James Lindsay, I would say, hey, you know, um, how could it be that this Paolo Freire was able to impose his educational system across America? And the answer is, only because there's a government only because there's public education which means that these people calling themselves the government took it over if you didn't have that you wouldn't have free airing okay so i think there's hope for james Lindsay. i i, I hope so i hope i hope there's hope yeah, i hope there's hope so maybe you should look around. Look around. Yeah. Fires are burning. Everybody living in a cage as the world keeps turning. Look around. Lives are breaking. Got greedy, grubby hands. Understand that the man is taking. Lindsay loves freedom enough. That's great, great work. So maybe, you know, maybe he can make that final step to 
hey, you know, if we didn't have a government, then they wouldn't be able to control the educational system. They wouldn't be able to brainwash us. Is that, is that such a leap? I, I don't think it is. To me, it's obvious. Okay? To me, it's obvious. We'll see. Hang in there, everybody. Just hang in there and don't let them uh, give you the struggle session.